Good afternoon. This is Allison Dunn with Deliberate Directions. I am your business coach, and this afternoon we have the opportunity to be speaking with Amanda Bolin. She is our Chicago-based CEO of She Did It Her Way. So, yeah. Amanda, tell us a little bit about your company. Well, thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. It's always an honor and a pleasure to be able to go on someone else's platform because I know it's so near and dear to everyone's heart and um, the listeners or the watchers in this case as well. So I, gosh, where do I even begin? Um, so I'm originally from Iowa and I grew up there. I went to University of Iowa and I worked in corporate for two years before I took what I call the ultimate leap and had like kind of dipped my toes into entrepreneurship as a um, full-time freelancer. So I was okay. a 1099 experiencing the taste of that. And then probably back in 2015, I started a podcast, which um, really didn't have any sort of formal plan of what I wanted to do with it. It was more of a hobby simply because I was traveling every single week and living out of a suitcase. And I just really wanted to carve out like kind of my own thing. And then from there, so she did her way podcast really grew and took off. And um, I mean, it's now like where it's at today in terms of like now I do coaching, especially kind of in the online space, but specifically helping women take what they do in their corporate job and basically transition transition that into what I sort of did when I left corporate. I took my skill set and I became this freelance facilitator where I worked with large companies doing sales training, leadership development, things like that. So then now through She Did Her Way, I teach women to do that. We have the podcast. I do an annual event every year. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, there's so much more we could dive into, but I'll leave it at that because there's a lot more. <laughs> so um, what motivated you to originally kind of launch the company She Did It Her Way? Um, you know, I think I just knew what my journey was when I was in corporate. And so I worked at, I graduated in 2010. I had finance and I had a finance degree and then I had an entrepreneurship certificate, which I always performed really well in the entrepreneurial classes because it was more of a hands-on and it wasn't a test taking class. Um, so I really just, I loved like wanting to build things and be creative for something bigger than myself. And I worked in corporate at Target in the stores um, for about a year after college in West Des Moines, Iowa. And it was brutal. Like it wasn't so much that the work itself was brutal because as you know, when you're running a business for yourself, like you're signing up to tend to work more hours than might you in a full-time job. But yeah. I had just felt so drained and very much like this, this can't be my purpose. Like this can't be the end all be all. And I experienced a lot of emotional highs and lows, which we can certainly unpack that here in this interview. But um, I just know what I went through and it's almost like if I can help shed a light and start talking about it, but then also shed a strategy on how to like confidently and strategically make that exit. Um, not only from, like I said, the strategy side, but also at, like relating from the emotional standpoint, because there's a lot of emotions and mentality that goes when you quit your job. If mm -hmm. I can help someone else um, do that where they're at in their job. Like that is my motivation. Cause I want other women and men as well, um, to taste that freedom of being able to have the autonomy to work when you want to work from a laptop, to actually know that you can get up in the mornings and really enjoy your routine that working more, like working harder doesn't mean producing more. Actually it's called working smarter to produce more. Like 
all these constructs and limiting beliefs that I had that I like want to teach other people and be like, there's another way. So that was really like my driving force of building out She Did It Her Way. So um, I love the fact that you said, I just started a podcast. It didn't have any structure. Like I, you know, we just kind of just, you know, <laughs> just started it, right? Yes. Um, and I just want to uh, say that apparently your, your podcast has hundreds of thousands of downloads and you're in 40 countries. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so I. Wow. I, yeah. Thank you. Um, I, I feel like I kind of got lucky where when blogging started to like, blogging is definitely, I don't know, when blogging got, it's like everybody's blogging phase. I feel like that now is becoming like everybody's podcasting phase. Mm -hmm. And I think it's great. Like choose your medium and how you want to market your business. It's amazing, wonderful. And I think I got lucky because of the time that I got into it, which was 2015, which was still fairly early. Um, I got lucky that the name she did at her way selected me and it just like came to me. Um, so from like a branding SEO, that was amazing. But yeah, I honestly like, I didn't have a formal plan of this is what I'm going to do. I just knew that I would rather talk to people than to have a, like, than to type out and blog. Like that was not energy giving to me. It's not really my strong suit. I can communicate and have a conversation way better than I can do that. And so I was like, okay. And I had a friend at the time that was like in podcasting and sat down with his producer and he basically gave me an hour of his time to teach me everything he knew. And I was like, okay, I can figure this out. And yeah, that's kind of how it went. went. I mean, I still, sometimes I listen to the first, very first episodes, which we have over like 330 at this point. And I'm like, oh gosh, Ooh, like the, it just really paints a picture of like, just get started because you're always going to have that rusty beginning <laughs> and we're going to be perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, it, it'd be amazing to see what everyone would create if we just got over the fear of like that mm -hmm. crappy first draft. So, oh yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's good advice. Um, you know, I even the most eloquent people still are hesitant to get started because it's not oh, for perfect sure. or it might not be perfect. And you just have yeah. to get over that, right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's yeah. like you just can't. I mean, and even like one of my favorite quotes is by the late Wayne Dyer of when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Mm -hmm. And so especially when you find yourself in this mental um, like procrastination mode, it's like, how can you change what it is that you're trying to do in order to get you to take action? Like, for example, I just came out with a podcast, your way course. I have created outlines. I've created PowerPoints up until like of like this course for the past few years, 75% of the way. And then I always get to the last 25% and I talk myself out of it and be like, that's not my lane. It's not gonna be perfect. I have to create all these PowerPoints. But then when I realized, I was like, why do I have to create PowerPoints? Like I can just do screen shares mm -hmm. and I can have a video on me, me talking and them showing like my screen and all this stuff. And I was like, that sounds way more fun. So changing the way that I looked at it so that the things that I look at changed and I created it in less than like a week and a half. And I think it's just, yeah, if you can change the way that you're like approaching it, you can totally change it like action wise. That's awesome. And, yeah. and very, very good advice. Um, yeah. So what is the focus of your podcast? Yeah, so she did it her way. We really, I mean, I really like to dive into one, female entrepreneurship, but more specifically, like having women share their stories of taking their ultimate leap mm -hmm. and how they were able to do it strategically and successfully. And then also diving into things specifically as it relates to online marketing. So how do you create courses? How do you take what you do really well and what someone wants? Um, once your advice on like, how do you take that and turn it into a coaching program? How are you going to use email marketing to build your email list? So some of those um, tactics and strategies, because it's really focused on, you know, building an online business and having that location independent. Um, in the beginning though, like 
I think just with any business, you kind of start out really wide. And then as you grow and as I started doing more interviews, I started realizing, okay, what type of um, business owner did I resonate with? And what type of business owner did my listeners resonate with? And what do they want more of? So it's definitely been um, a fun journey for that. When um, when you're doing um, guest interviews, like what have been some of your favorite takeaways from those that you have invited to partake in the conversation? Um, gosh, there's like so many. I mean, I just had an interview and it hasn't launched yet, but this gal, um, Mariah Cause, and she kind of, it was after that interview that I recorded a few weeks ago that she like flips the model on so many different things about like, oh, you should, if you're gonna get into online business, you have to start with a group coaching program before you go to an online course. And she's like, F that, like you can just go to an online course. Like you don't need it to do that. <laughs> she's like a seven, multi seven figure business owner. And she's just so aligned with who she is and like not afraid to show up that way. And she just really like changed the mold for a lot of different things. So there's her interview, Jen Sincero of You Are a Badass. Um, hopefully- You I interviewed her? Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So she came on like a few years ago. Um, so that was a really cool experience because I had read her book and I, someone else that I was um, on their podcast and they're on mine had connected me with her. So that was a really cool experience. Um, I'm trying like Amy Porterfield was awesome. She nice. came on and then Rachel Hollis was on the podcast. Oh gosh, like a year and a half ago before I think her first book came out. So that, I mean, those were just really exciting opportunities, but I think the one common theme that I see among all of them is like recognizing and being self-aware of what it is that you do so you can move beyond your own traps. So if you don't, if you don't know what you don't know, then it's, you can't really do a whole lot about it. But the more you become self-aware of the habits and things that you're doing, the more um, empowered you are to be able to change them and also move beyond them, especially the things that are blocking you and stopping you. So um, with that, so is your mission, your mission is to help uh, people kind of harness the ability to have a, a job outside of a job, right? Create their own business yes. and persona. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you just men mentioned um, uh, having the ability to self-reflect on things that may be holding you back. What are some of the things that, have, that held you back in the beginning that you've kind of been able to work through? <sighs> You know, one of the really big, that's a really good question. One of the big things that held me back was I had always considered myself a fairly confident person. No fear. I can take, I can take on a lot of risk. Um, but it, there was a moment that I almost shied away from wanting to have the capacity to lead people. And once I started stepping into that leadership role i saw mm -hmm. my capacity for people to come in and to coach and whether that was the podcast growing whether that's courses selling whether that's creating courses and things like that that was a really big thing and that was you know i never thought i had a lot of imposter syndrome but i realized in a very indirect way that i was buffering myself because of imposter syndrome and because of this perfection of you know not wanting to launch a course until it's perfect and you have to create the perfect webinar and things um perfect powerpoints and then realizing that you know what just again do the same things that i coach other people on and that would be great right we're always so good at giving advice but then when it actually comes to taking our own advice which i have read there's something in in the brain that stops that anyway i digress but yeah take my own advice so that would definitely um be one of them awesome so yeah. let's talk about how to start a part a podcast 
Yes. You want to go from the way, way beginning? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, this is so good because it's fresh in my mind. Um, I think, okay, the first thing that, and if anyone's thinking about launching a podcast, you have to get really clear on what the purpose is because a lot of people that I've talked to that have asked me questions, it's usually their goal in their mind is create a podcast, make money. And the way that they want to do it is through sponsors. I encourage them to think differently where yes, you can make money with sponsors. Typically it takes a, a decent amount of downloads. And so that time to build that download listenership could take years. And instead of doing that, instead of relying on sponsorships, which is outside of your business because sponsorships could go away, it's a very reactive approach where I always encourage people to look at the strategy because your podcast is a marketing medium and how are you leveraging that? And so one of the things that I wish I would have done in the early days, again, it was a hobby. I had no zero like formal plan was really say, okay, how can I take that time, that 30 seconds at the beginning of the episode and use that commercial or that you have 30 seconds for products and services of my own, like an mm -hmm. opt-in, a freebie, right? Versus using that space and holding out for money. So I always encourage one, use, um, look at the strategy and that your podcast and like, how is it helping grow your business, but also make money mm -hmm. in your business. And so when you look at the actual podcast content itself, always have a call to action. So something like if you listen to She Did Our Her Way, I have a call to action of where you can sign up for the ultimate leap suite checklist and starter kit. And so that is at the front of every episode. Now it didn't always, it wasn't that way. I actually went through and edited over a hundred episodes of podcast episodes to put that um, insert in there. But now when you get people on your email list, you're creating a dialogue. It's not just this vanity metric and you wouldn't want to look at it a vanity metric because some people have 50,000 people, but as far as how they're nurturing them and are they the right people, that doesn't matter. You can have a very small list in terms of 500 people and still make a five-figure launch. So being strategic in the sense of like, how am I getting the people who are listening to the podcast on my email list and using it as a way to um, do a call to action for your freebie and then also create content that is in alignment with your business. I started the podcast first and then the business second. And it definitely, I again, I keep saying, I encourage people to really think about, okay, if you're starting a podcast and you don't really have a business quite yet, let's think about how the, the, how the podcast is part of the business, but the podcast isn't the business. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first thing is like getting very clear on the strategy. Then it comes down to simple things of, you know, what's the name of it? What's your description? Who's your ideal listener avatar? And it most likely follows up with who your ideal customer avatar is, which then can help you understand who your ideal guest avatar is. So you want to make sure that you're like, if there's a kind of in a relation of product market fit, there's a listener guest fit, if you will. So you wouldn't want to have someone on your show or talk about a solo cast that doesn't have, that isn't content that your listeners really care about. So um, that's sort of the foundation. I'm happy to go into the tech side. If that, if that would be helpful, you let me know. I'll lead to the tech side in just a moment. So okay, um, you're, you're one. <laughs> you kind of just started. What was your yep. goal? What was your goal for the podcast? I, Do you oh even God. remember? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't, it's embarrassing to say it. I don't think I had one. It was okay. this, just how people will start blogs or I think of fashion blogs and they do it as a hobby because it's a creative outlet. This was my creative outlet. It was a way for me to feel like it was something of my own. Because even though I was doing subcontract work and I loved it and I was traveling everywhere, it didn't feel, it felt like the contract work 
was the actual companies that I was subcontracting. It wasn't my work and I wanted something that was mine. And that's why I started the podcast. So in year one from 2015 to 2016, it was still clunky, one episode a week, didn't really care about batching, wasn't super serious about it. And then in 2016, that was, I started recognizing that there was a real opportunity and I started doing two episodes a week and we started growing and I actually started looking at numbers. Whereas before I didn't even open up my, my metric board because I didn't, I'm like, oh, this is fun. I don't really care about that. Um, and then in 2017, I hosted the first annual She Did at Her Way Summit. And that was really one of the first ways that I would, you guess you could say that I monetized She Did at Her Way. Um, I held an event, planned it in three months, had 35 women from 11 different countries fly in. And it was wow. pretty, yeah, it was pretty awesome. I mean, I love in-person events. I think there's definitely um, a value add with it just because so much is online and that's great, but having the personal connection in person is awesome too. And I like running events. So did that. And then 2018 was a crazy year. We, I, or I guess I, but I have VAs that work under me, virtual assistants. And I launched a monthly membership program. I launched two group programs. I launched an online course. Like I just threw so much stuff against the wall. It was the most uncomfortable I had ever been because at that point I still wasn't very clear on where's my niche and where is my lane. Mm -hmm. And that is such a crucial point because I think a lot of people and including myself for a time there, I was so nervous and so uncomfortable to test out all these things and to take massive action, partly because I was like, I feel like I should have this figured out by now. But that thought was keeping me stuck from actually growing because I had this expectation that I should be somewhere by now. And I think a lot of people have that. And that's why I'm sharing this is because it's a very humbling thing to, to admit the fact that like you don't have it all figured out and nobody does. And so that like 2018 was messy, massive action. I also learned that I needed to come inward to really like sit with what's going on inside and listen versus just do, 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 go, 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 mm -hmm. where we can get in this hustle mentality, but if we don't actually create space, we can't allow for things to come in. And so 2019 has been a really cool, definitely mellowed year, but much more in an alignment year and really have honed in on that woman who is listening, who has a skill set that is in this job that she's like, what the heck? Like, there's gotta be more out there. Feeling super conflicted inside and wants to be able to take what she does in corporate and do it on her own and knows exactly what she wants to do and is ready to find clients and basically do what I did. So that's where the sweet spot comes in and take Al action. Alignment, I appreciate your honesty about, you know, kind of the evolution of where you've come from. Um, in coming yeah. into alignment for this year, what is, what's the aha? The I thought I had to do it this way, but Ugh. I actually can let that go. Like, what is your, what is that? Everything. <laughs> like, it's so funny. I don't, um, I, so I'm very big in astrology and I definitely, I'm a double Capricorn. So a typical Capricorn is a very CEO, like very rigid, very follows the rules by the book, like plans, sometimes probably over plans, wants everything to have a purpose, wants everything to be in order, wants to have control, wants to move pieces, all this stuff. And so what I had found though, is that that type of mentality and that type of characteristics was no longer serving me because it felt mm -hmm. 
so much like I was just efforting because I'm like, no, this is how it should be. You should be grinding it out. This is what having your own business. If you're not grinding it out, if you're not working, how are you going to make six figures? How are you going to make multiple six figures? Um, and then I was also, if I'm around other people that are that way, I'm really good at taking on a, like being a chameleon. So I had to become aware of that. Oh, by me being in this environment, I'm actually taking on this person's work ethic. And ultimately I just have to find my lane of what feels good to me. And what I've found is that I am, I used to be someone who would just schedule her calendar and overload it and be like, oh, I have a free week. What am I gonna schedule here? I have a free month. Like after we got done doing, after I got done doing a three day summit with a hundred women, I was like, okay, what's next? Like, let's keep going. And it's like, no, dude, slow down. And so I really had to learn turning off that lever and sitting through the discomfort of just being and it was discomfort for me because i've never i'd never done that before and once i had done that the other side of recognizing like oh man there's like ways that you can work more in flow you get intuitive hits about what you should be doing what you shouldn't like what's not a good fit what feels fun versus what you think like i need to plan this entire launch and it's got to be planned in detail versus like what feels fun in the moment what actually and i would never imagine that I'd be sitting here talking about that on a podcast because I am so typically type A that that is the big aha for 2019 of learning to let go. Like, yes, there still needs to be planning, but not, how do I not be so rigid that there's no room for magic or fun? So I love yeah. that. I'm, um, I am uh, of similar personality type as you are. And <laughs> Um, often I'll get that tough question of like, well, exactly what's your vision here? What's your strategy? And I'm like, it feels good. Like I have to go with that, right? Yeah. Like uh -huh. I don't know what it's going to be and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you just, I mean, sometimes just knowing that you're like, I'm going to make a freaking impact on this world is enough. And right. you know, sometimes we can feel challenged by other people's questions, even though that might not be their intention. I know I certainly have, right? Right. Feeling like if I go to a networking event, people don't really understand what I do. It's a little like, oh, a lot of energy. And then <laughs> What are you doing trying to poke holes and they're not trying to poke holes it's just they're curious because their brain doesn't necessarily understand but that was really really the big thing of just like relaxing instead of gripping it so tightly and trying to force things mm -hmm. where especially being in an environment where everybody's like oh if you're not working 10 hours a day then you don't want it enough or if you're taking a vacation right. you don't want it enough which is crazy because you need to rest for sure athletes rest come on <laughs> so yeah um <laughs> So in so since 2015 so how have you stayed how have you stayed motivated to build your audience like what are what what do you do Oh um gosh So that I think kind of comes with I I look at metrics and I look at numbers and I look at what podcast episodes do well but more so instead of looking at numbers I have learned it's kind of like let me go back to this as an example of I used to work in call centers, but so some of the contract work that I used to do in call centers and the coaches would just run up and down the aisles, well, walk, but they'd be like, I need more, I need two more cell phone sales. I need two more direct TVs. I need two more. So they're stating what they want as the outcome, but they're not actually focused on what's going to change the outcome, which is the behavior. And so for a while, for me, I was so focused on the outcome of the numbers and less focused on what is going to actually influence them where when I stopped focusing so much on like how much am I making every month and 
how much, and yes, it's very important. Like you need to know those numbers, but instead of focusing so intensely on those numbers and the downloads, I looked at what am I doing that actually impacts them. And as long as I'm staying close to my target audience, I'm listening and asking questions, I'm producing great content, all of that then helps me decide like, what do they need in terms of coaching? What do they need in terms of like, what are they asking for in terms of a course, the podcast course that I have? That came out of multiple people asking me and I was like, okay, I'm just gonna create a course because that way you guys can see everything that I do, including the behind the scenes of my own. So that has definitely been way more fruitful than trying to grind it out and guess what I think that they want. Um, plus it also, I got in the, uh, it's kind of going back to the email marketing where just because you have so many thousands, a hundred of thousands of downloads, it that's not as important as how are you actually serving them mm -hmm. and giving them the next step. That's way more important than just, oh, we've got a million downloads for the sake of a million downloads. I think that might not be everyone. But I also am not wanting to be big on, again, having sponsorships. Like, yes, if your numbers grow, you can have more sponsors, but I definitely am different at so, yeah. Okay. I am curious, um, you've covered a lot of different aspects, but what would be like the top five tips you'd give to someone, an entrepreneur, a future entrepreneur who would be considering starting a podcast? Ooh, um, let's see, five, three, or... that would be starting a podcast. One, going back to what is your strategy. Okay. Two, define what actually is your business. Okay. So even if you don't know what your business is at this moment, but you know that ultimately the podcast is gonna be the marketing piece of it, go in with the lens of what is the business. And then um, three would be to batch your work, whether you're doing interviews or solo cast. And if you're not familiar with batching, it's basically sitting down for a four hour chunk and doing as much of the same task as you possibly can versus sitting down multiple times doing different tasks because every time you have to switch, you actually waste energy switching. Um, so that's batching. I think that, is that number three or number four? That was number three. I'm writing okay, it down. Okay, number three. Yes, so batching. Um, ooh, uh, and it, mm, batching. Number four would be making sure that you obviously, I mean, I think this goes without saying, but making sure that you're sharing it on social media because you have spent so much time and energy in producing such amazing content that you wanna make sure that you are having a follow-up system to that. I actually have six. Number five is the way, even the strategy that you get on other people's podcasts. There's like a whole mm -hmm. like strategy. So what I would say for that is instead of just wanting to get on a podcast for sake of getting on a podcast, be really smart, go back to who's my ideal customer listener or customer avatar, but also my ideal listener, right? And then go on iTunes or go on any of these other networks and search for different podcasts that are in alignment with that and then figure out what is their submission process to go on to their show. Um, and again, you also, while you're on that show, something I did not do in the beginning was I did not take advantage of going on other people's shows. And there are some shows that, that like had major market, like major listeners, and I left them hanging. I didn't have any sort of call to action. I'm just like, oh, oh my gosh, that was crazy. Like, why didn't I have that? So you also want to have a call to action when you go on someone else's podcast, because these are potentially new listeners, potentially new um, customers, and you want to be able to start that dialogue. Number six is create as many templates and um, templates and processes as possible in the production process because there are so many moving parts. So I use Asana, which I love. What do you guys use? What are we using? For, for, for like our processing, yep. Yeah. 
Excel. Yeah. <gasps> you guys, Asana. get on Asana. Yeah. Okay. okay. Get on Asana. So I have another, it's a scale your way course and it's, um, I was just saying it's uh, five modules and I basically teach you how to set up Asana for your business hub. So this is, this is part of the other Capricorn. I love systems and processes because it's definitely helped me able to focus on the parts of my business that I need to focus on in like content creation and vision and stuff versus emailing, coordinating, production, all that stuff. My VAs do it. Um, and so it's really like, especially in podcasts, such a heavy moving pieces and parts. Number six would be making sure you get your workflows in order. Okay. So otherwise you will burn yourself out. And I remember in the beginning too, if anyone's listening, like thinking, okay, well, I'm just the one that's doing the podcast. Do I really need to put a workflow in? Yes, you do. Because here's the deal. As soon as you get clear on every single exact step that you need to take in a process, you then see, okay, what templates do I need to create? When does this need to be done? Where's the potential bottleneck? And then once you identify that, then you're more confident on, oh, okay, these are the parts that I need to actually outsource. Mm -hmm. So then you move to the next step of training and finding someone. So yes, and Asana is free as long as you use your, um, well, it's free. You can use your personal email or you can use your business email, but you wanna use your business email because that actually unlocks certain features that you wanna get oh, in your personal Asana dashboard. That yes. is a good tip. Yes. Um, I'm going to dig deep deeper on this one because I feel like you just gave us your something you wish you'd knew, known sooner. And so I'm just oh, going to sure. take Asana as a bonus. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's do it. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you wish you'd known sooner? In business or podcasting? In podcasting. Um, oh, jeez. Uh, I'm trying to think now. What do I wish I would known sooner? Um... think well oh here this is i don't know if it's i would have known sooner but i had a learning lesson in february of this year of 2019 so when we when she did her way was originally set up there was actually um it was set up i didn't do the setting up that was someone else on the team at the time and um i don't it's i don't know if she set it up or it was hired and it's not a big deal at all but what i had learned is one morning i woke up in february and we got kicked off itunes and i was like wtf what the heck and this is Thursday morning. And if you are on iTunes, they don't, there's no place that you can call in. It's all ticket service orders. So you have to email them. And I had got kicked off and they send you this email and they say it could be a list of these things. Okay. And so you're trying to read coding and I'm not a developer, and but I think I'm pretty good at understanding things, but I was still struggling. I'm like, oh my gosh, what the heck's going on? We got to get back up there. So through the process, I like our files, that we're feeding from our hosting site were too big. So okay. iTunes didn't like that. I had the author as she did it her way, not me. And then if you put too many keywords in your titles, um, iTunes will pick up on that and they will kick you off because of that. So they, because it's an SEO platform, basically it's a search engine. Um, and so if they feel like you're trying to take advantage of it and punch in a bunch of keywords, they will recognize that and knock you off. Now, but here's the kicker probably a week before that, I had someone reach out to me and tell me that they could only access a previous hundred episodes on iTunes. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that is so weird. Then to come to find out that actually, so there's a hosting site, which I use Simplecast. I love them. Um, there's a simple, and they, what they do is you upload everything to the hosting site. And then you have an RSS feed that you then upload to Spotify, to iTunes, to all like Google podcasts, all these other places. But the RSS feed that was being fed to iTunes was actually coming from Squarespace. So Squarespace has their own podcasting hosting site. 
And yes, it's free, but I promise you paying the $15 per month to have an agnostic third-party hosting site is way worth it because here's what happened. When you change the RSS feed to iTunes, it changes everything. I lost all my reviews. I lost like oh, everything, wow. but I really feel it's a silver lining because that was part of the process that I was a little unclear about, but it was to me, it was a working process. So I'm like, I'm not gonna fix it. But now I'm actually more excited to teach people about podcasting and to share that story because I don't want anyone else to experience it. So that would have been one of the things was, you know, just get set up. And Libsyn's also a really popular one. Again, I can't speak to them because I haven't used them, but I really love Simplecast. They were amazing during the entire iTunes fiasco. They would check in on me to make sure that I was okay. And I'm like, yes, partly crying, but frustrated, but yes. I mean, <laughs> that also made me realize it doesn't matter how many um, listeners you have if you don't, if you're not creating that conversation off the mic. And so that's why it's important to invite people to come to your email list. So creating opt-ins like um, the ultimate leap suite or the ultimate leap um, starter kit and checklist guide, things okay. like that. Um, you've mentioned that. I'm just curious, are, are you willing yeah. to share how many downloads you've had of that particular call to action? Um, that one, since I started, well, okay. So I signed up for Amy Porterfield's mm -hmm. um, list building Oh God, list building course. I always went, and now I think she changed it to list building society actually. So I signed up for that at the end of the year because I had not been at all actively on the pod, like um, growing the email list. It has just about tripled since I've gone through and I've actually taken action of creating like freebies, looking at my core offers, what she calls it. Um, going back into all the old, so the episodes, this is another thing that, um, I did was I went back, I started with the top downloaded episodes, top 10 downloaded episodes, mm -hmm. and I went back and I cleaned them up. So I like edited the audio, took anything out that had time sensitive information. So if it talked about the She Did It Her Way Summit from 2018, I was like, nope, we're deleting that. And then we're putting the um, opt-in right up front. So I did that with the top 10 downloaded episodes. I did that with the top um, blog posts that were visited on the website. I did that with the, um, and then I did it with any episode that had a call to action that was no longer irrelevant. So it ended up being close to, I think about a hundred episodes. Wow. And I could see that was like a huge game changer. Um, now there's a call to action in every show note. There is a call to action on Instagram. There's a call to action on the website. And so I just wasn't, I, I kind of, you know, emailing, now we're kind of moving away from podcasting, but I hope it's okay. Emailing was one of those things where I'm just like, ooh, I don't really like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I can build a business without email. And it's like, what girl? No, I mean, yes, you can, but that wouldn't be a smart business, at least now in hindsight. And I say that because I did that. I didn't do emailing. I was like, I don't have to do that stuff. But once it's kind of, you move past, it's, yeah, I was pole vaulting over mouse turds. I was making emailing that's <laughs> such this big thing and in reality if you just set the timer for 30 minutes on your phone and committed to playing around which i use convert kit playing around and convert kit and you didn't have any hard expectations that you had to figure it out and you just had fun it would be such a delightful experience and i mean the sooner you get started the sooner you get started so mm -hmm. it definitely i always look at in part of so there's an onboarding sequence so when you sign up for the core opt-in this this guide that I have, you're in a four day email sequence where I share my story, I a little bit about like the top downloaded podcast episodes about quitting your job. And then I actually have an email that I'm like, okay, enough about me, I wanna hear about you, tell me about you. And I get so much engagement from that, it's incredible. So yeah. Wow. Yeah, um, I could go on for days. So you just tell me. And I could one. let you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I um, so I just want to confirm. You were saying you know you're you're doing this on your own, but you use a lot of virtual assistance. Do you have any yes. other core people part of your team that um, people should be thinking about as building this as a model? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I don't think it's it's never too early to start outsourcing. As long as you've laid the foundation, it's never too early. If you are working a full-time job and there's things that you're doing in your business, whether it's blogging, um, proofreading, or anything that can be outsourced for three hours a week, do it. Mm -hmm. um, that's three hours that you don't have to take on the stress. You don't have to necessarily do those things. You can work on your business. So it's never too early to outsource. Um, number one is the way I always that I coach people in processes is just get a blank sheet of paper and think about something. So think about a production process for podcasting and just write out every tiny, I was gonna say ass, well I did, there you go. Tiny thing that you have to do in order to get from start to finish. Then go back and actually order them and say, okay, this goes first, this goes second, this goes third. Mm -hmm. Then you've got this nice list. Then you go to Asana and you create a template because mm -hmm. you're gonna be doing it over and over. And if you create a template, then all you have to do is just go to the three dots and click new template. So that is the biggest thing. And then if, when you go to look for, um, virtual assistants, ask people in your network, they typically, um, have people like I've referred. So I have three VAs two or I have four VAs, two that are in the Philippines, one that's in India. And then I have one that is stateside. Mm -hmm. And so the one, um, Jennifer is stateside. So her role is to manage the inbox of the general inbox. She manages my calendar. She is kind of like that gatekeeper for me in that sense. And then, um, she does like a lot of the high level front facing stuff. And then Kim, Mark, um, and my other gentleman, uh, he, they all do sort of like proofreading, production, social media management, things like that. And they are amazing. Like we Voxer, they're in Slack, they're fantastic. Okay. And they're just so eager. They're so like, all of them are so eager and so excited. So definitely, I mean, ask for referrals, go inside Facebook groups that are really geared towards virtual assistants. Um, you can find people that way. You can find people on Fiverr. You can find them on Upwork. Um, the other big thing, the last thing I'll say for a piece of advice is be really clear on the directions of training, which is, I call it, it's a skills transfer process. I think a lot of times people think that, oh, if I just tell someone what to do, they know what I'm doing. They know what I'm thinking about. And there's a huge, and it happened a lot when we would, when I would do coaching is that in, in corporate where a lot of the leaders would be like, well, no, I told them what to do. Now they should just know it, right? Well, no, I'm sorry, but I don't want to get on a plane where a pilot just learned what to do, but didn't actually practice and do it with someone there. And then you flew him out like, no. So we can't expect virtual assistants or people on our team to know exactly what we want them to do without actually having a skills transfer process and following up and giving them feedback and asking if they have any questions. That would be the last piece of that. Such good advice, <laughs> especially as you, I mean, even if regardless of whether they're virtual or not, it has to happen yeah. when you have someone in front of you. And we miss that even when we're together. So yeah, yeah, because you think like you're just like, oh yeah, they know what I'm talking about. I'm like, mm, right, they know. may know. And then it causes rework, and then you get <laughs> frustrated, and you're like, my VA isn't doing what she needs to be doing. I'm like, well, did you train them? Right, mm. exactly. Yeah. So. Um, I, um, I am, I've got a few quick questions. I want some yeah. more intel. I would love for you uh, to share with my listeners. Um, what resources on your site do you have for people who might be interested in starting a podcast? Like where should they go to find more information? Yes, let me, I'm just pulling this up here. So um, I, they can find, if they go to, she did it her way. So two things, um, 
if you're like, I want to do the course, I'm all in. You can go to she did her way podcast.com forward slash podcast your way. Okay. So that is the course. If you're like, mm, not entirely ready for the course, I kind of want to check this girl out. Um, on the main page, if you scroll down, there is a podcast checklist launch guide, okay. which I can also send to you if you want that as well. That would so be you, amazing. I'd love to include yeah. that. Oh yeah, I will send that. Um, and let's see, or you can just go over to the resources guide and there, um, the podcast checklist and launch guide is right there too. Okay. So, so yeah. if my listeners were gonna go to one particular podcast, what would which, which one would you point them to first to just like knock their socks off? Oh, um, I would point you to episode 268 with 268. Julie Ciardi, who I love. 268, let me make sure that is the, the correct episode. She came to my first event in, yes. So Corporate America to okay. Six Figure Entrepreneur in less than four months with Julie Ciardi. She came to my first event in the summit in 2017. She's from the East Coast. She's this like vivacious like mom and she worked in corporate at a real, at a technology company. She was VP that level. And she goes, just, I'm not happy. Her and her family downsized their home to make a smaller mortgage payment. She then decided like built her side, built her business, which was a brick and mortar boutique on the side of her full-time job. And then in four months hit six figures, she left her corporate job. And now she actually like, just sold her brick and mortar and she's on to coaching moms and building the business beyond that. And that, that episode gets so many downloads. And I think it should because it's such a beautiful story about how to strategically mm -hmm. make the leap. And I love it because she did this, like she had a really big full-time career. She had kids, like there was zero, she didn't have any excuses. She's just like, you just gotta do it. Um, it's just a beautiful episode and Julie's amazing. So that I would definitely recommend people go listen to that one. Oh, that is fantastic. Um, Amanda, I just can't thank you enough for spending some time with me here today. Um, yeah. I am excited to share um, what you have going on and get this launched and um, just you know, thank you for the wealth of information you've shared. Yeah, thank you. This was an absolute pleasure. Oh, fantastic. We have Amanda Bolin, who is the CEO of She Did It Her Way. Check her out online. Thank you. Mm -hmm.